The following podcast was produced by Latter-day Radio, originally broadcast on KLO in Salt Lake City, Utah. So, Martin, we have a guest here with us, and we have one on the phone waiting. And, uh, again, the topic is uh, near-death experiences. And and as one of your guests has uh, penned the title of his book, it's not yet near-life experiences and lessons learned. So maybe that's good. It's not, it's quite, our time isn't quite yet. So uh, introduce our, our, our guests and take it from here. It'll be my pleasure. Everybody would love to have a near-death experience, but nobody seems to really want to die to have one. And, and I guess there's a natural trepidation to that because we associate ourselves so much with the, with the physical body. Uh, we have two guests. One is Jeff Olson, who went through a dramatic accident and came about as close as you can to physically losing your life in, in, in your body as, as you possibly can. He, he's well known by many. He's written a book about his experience called I Knew Their Hearts. It, it's uh, done very, very well. It's a fabulous book. He's also, along with our other guest, his emergency room physician, uh, Jeff O'Driscoll, who is with us in studio, uh, they were jointly presenters at the National Ions Conference, actually the International Ions Conference that happened in Seattle, Washington just a few weeks ago. So Jeff Olson and Dr. Jeff O'Driscoll, it's a pleasure to have you both here at KLO Radio. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, thank you, Martin. It's good to be with you, even by uh, telephone, but uh, I'm there in spirit, I promise. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. Uh, Jeff, this has the opportunity for people to hear something they probably have not heard before, which is what is called a shared death experience, because... Uh, and I'll just give a, a short little description. Your physician in studio here, Jeff O'Driscoll, while he was attending to you, actually had a spiritual component that I can only describe as part of your um, near-death experience or, or part of what you experienced. And, and with that short little introduction to both of you... Um, I'm going to mention that we have a break at, at 21 minutes after, so be ready for me to jump in and, and um, introduce the break at that point. But, Jeff, the, the time is, is yours to talk about the accident that you had and your experience or, or get partway through that before our first break, and then we can uh, talk about some of the details after that break. Go ahead, Jeff. Awesome. Thank you, Martin. And uh, yeah, I'll be very brief, but I had a a horrible automobile accident. Um, It uh, banged me up really bad. I mean, both of my legs were crushed. My left leg eventually was amputated above the knee. My back was damaged. My lungs were collapsed. My right arm was practically torn off. And then the seatbelt cut through me and ruptured all my, uh, my insides. 
the most devastating part of the accident was the the loss of my my wife Tamara and my youngest son Griffin. The whole family was in the car, and uh, Spencer, my seven year old son at the time, he and I survived the crash. Uh, Tamara and Griffin were were killed instantly at the scene. And it took, you know, it took me 10 years to even talk about that. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm 20 years after the fact, so I can actually, with some kind of composure, sit and discuss this. But the accident was awful. Um, I blacked out. It was a single-car rollover. Um, however, when the car stopped, I was very conscious. Uh, the first thing I heard was Spencer in the back seat crying, and I, I wanted to get to him as a father. I knew I had to get to my son. But I couldn't move. I, I was pinned, and I couldn't tell either, even if I was on the seat or the floorboard. But I could hear him crying, and yet that's when I knew no one else was crying. And um, I won't get into the details of all that, but that was the worst type of a hell a man could be in, you know, to have the, the, the car crashed. I can't move. I've got a hysterical 7-year-old. Half the family's gone. And, and I was driving the car. Now, I was going the speed limit. I'm sober, but I, I lost control. I, I believe I dozed off just briefly and lost control of the car. And with the cruise control set at 75, um, those high speeds were too too intense to, uh, to correct the car and gain any control over. Um, it was in that darkest moment. Um, of, of thinking, wow, can this even be real? I mean, can I take this back when it felt like light came rushing to me, came around me, a light that was so comforting that it, it, it seemed to calm me down in this in this darkest, most horrific moment of my life, and it felt like I was rising above the uh, the accident. And as I came to the conclusion that, gosh, I'm okay, I can breathe, I, that the pain is gone, I'm okay, I realized that Tamara, my wife, who I knew was deceased to the scene, was there with me in the light, and she was okay, which, you know, to look at her, knowing what had happened in the crash and being aware of that in the accident, and then looking at her and thinking, oh, she's okay, she's okay, and yet she was emphatic um, that I had to come back, that I must return and go back, and it was a lot about choice. There I was looking at the woman I loved more than life. But I also knew I had a seven-year-old uh, boy in the backseat of that car who would be orphaned if I, uh, if I didn't make a choice to come back to this realm. Jeff, that, that would be such a, a dramatic event for anyone to have. Um, how, how were you able to deal with that? Event and and what were the thoughts that that went on? How was the choice um, made by you? I, I guess you had to come back, but that and that was for your son. But um, give us some of your thoughts. Well, uh, you know, I mean, in, in all honesty, the the most powerful influence there was Tamara, my wife, saying, "No, no, no, Jeff, you've got to go back. You can't come. You've got to go back." I mean. <laughs> I always honored her wishes. I always honored, you know, her her role in our relationship, which was a very intuitive, a very insightful, a very guided partner, and um, and that was the main motivation. And yet, as I looked at her, it almost felt like I I knew what I was 
what I was going to do. You know, it, 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 there was always a choice, but in my heart of hearts, it's like my soul knew that I was coming back. My soul knew that that had already been put into place, that my role was to come back into this realm and raise our child, and her role was to move on into those other realms, and she's been a, a guardian angel ever since. Why don't we start to talk about your your recovery and your experience with our in-studio guest, Dr. Jeff O'Driscoll. Yeah, and I'm so grateful uh, Dr. O'Driscoll took the time. I mean, uh, here's what happened. As I, as I finally came to terms that, okay, I've got to say goodbye, and I hesitated to talk about that for years because I literally got to say goodbye to my wife. And then I made the choice to come back into this realm, and I found myself wandering or moving about a very busy uh, level one trauma ER center, you know, moving about seeing the patients, the doctors, the nurses, the families of the patients. But everyone I saw, I knew them absolutely perfectly. I was overcome with love and connection. And what I had no idea is what Dr. O'Driscoll was experiencing as I was experiencing all of that, which we'll get into after the break. But I literally experienced a oneness, a love, and a connection to every person. It didn't matter who they were, what they had done, or what they hadn't done. I knew them. I knew their hearts. I also knew their love, their hate, their motivations, their lives. I felt their lives as if they were me. And it was such a profound experience, it's, it's changed me forever. I literally wanted to embrace uh, everyone I saw just given the amount of love and connection I felt to them. So when you get right down to it, you were able to personally sense and feel and experience the thoughts and emotions of others. Absolutely. Remarkable. When we come back from this break, we'll be speaking more with Jeff Olson, near-death experiencer, and his ER physician, Jeff O'Driscoll. More faith-affirming podcast content from Latter-day Radio coming your way. Stick around. Continuing our conversation with Jeff Olson and his emergency room physician, Jeff O'Driscoll, about Olson's horrific car accident where his wife and infant son were killed. Before we left for break, Martin Tanner had just asked Jeff Olson when his first recollections were immediately after the accident on I-15 in southern Utah. The connection I was experiencing was was something that was not of this realm. And, uh, I mean, it was interesting because as I was connecting with all these, these strangers, if you will, and yet I knew them like as well as I knew myself, I, I did have a biblical verse come to me, and you know it was the famous verse uh, which states, "In as much as you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me." Which I used to think was a nice verse about being nice, but here I was experiencing this connection, uh, this 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 oneness, and I realized what the Master was teaching at a different level that I was them and they were me, and that that the master saw himself as no better or no different than the man in prison or the naked beggar in the street. And that's what I was experiencing. There was this oneness where I felt their lives as if they were, it was my life, like it was all connected. And the overwhelming love and compassion, uh, there really aren't words to describe it. 
when was it that you and Dr. O'Driscoll had your shared experience? Uh, at what point and, and what happened there? Well, the interesting thing is I didn't experience Dr. O'Driscoll. I eventually came to my own body, which, you know, I didn't feel anything from this this man laying on the gurney until I stepped closer and realized it was me and, and I had to I had I knew I had to get back in the body. Um, I think, you know, Jeff O'Driscoll could share what he experienced, but the interesting thing is it seems to be at that moment when I was like saying goodbye to Tamara, he may have been saying hello. Interesting. Uh, Dr. O'Driscoll, from your perspective, what what happened? Well, Jeff was uh, in this horrible car crash and uh, uh, was extricated from the vehicle and taken to a local hospital. This was in central Utah. As he mentioned, his wife was deceased at the scene, and he was flown to Salt Lake City where I was on duty in the emergency department. I wasn't the only emergency physician on duty that night, however. There was another team of uh, people that were in the room waiting for Jeff's arrival because we'd been alerted that he was coming. I was elsewhere in the department uh, when a nurse came and grabbed me by the arm and drug me to the emergency to the trauma suite. It was a nurse who had had spiritual experiences she'd shared with me, and I'd confided some of the spiritual experiences I'd had in the emergency room with her, and so there was a level of trust there, and she insisted I come to the trauma room. And when I walked into the trauma room, Jeff was unconscious and motionless and surrounded by an army of uh, providers, and above him in the air was his wife, Tamara, looking down on him, observing the care he was receiving, and began to communicate with me. Uh, she expressed her profound gratitude for the care she was receiving. And that intimacy, that uh, soul-to-soul communication that Jeff described earlier, uh, I experienced with her as well. I knew at that moment uh, who she was. I knew why she was there. I knew that Jeff was going to live. I knew that he was going to lose his leg. And this was just common knowledge that was kind of floating in the air, waiting for receptive people to partake of. I walked over and I looked down at Jeff. I think I checked the pulse in his leg. I could see the injury in his knee. Uh, I was confident that he would lose his leg. And as I looked down at Jeff, I could still see Tamara standing in the air above me and behind me because I could see in all directions at the same time. And so it was a profound spiritual experience for me, of course, but it wasn't one that I hadn't had before and haven't had uh, several times since. Your previous guest uh, earlier uh, talked about the different proposed mechanisms for near-death experiences, an anoxic brain, temporal lobe seizures, hallucinations, side effects medications. All of these things have been looked at. None of them have panned out to be a very reliable explanation for what's happening. But imagine setting all of that aside and not talking for a moment about the near-death experience, but talk about what's called a shared-death experience, where someone in perfectly good health who's awake and alert has an experience such as what I had when somebody else is dying or near death. And how do you explain that? That's a challenge. Um, So Jeff and I didn't really meet per se for almost a month. Uh, I sent him off to the OR. I went and I finished my shift and went home and didn't think I'd ever see him again. Didn't expect to. And then a month later, this same nurse came and started tugging on my arm again and said, we have to go see Jeff in the 
up in his, his hospital room. And I was not very enthused about that. I didn't like talking about my experiences with strangers. I had no knowledge at that time that he'd had a near-death experience. I didn't know how receptive he'd be to what this nurse wanted to share. But she was persistent, and she drugged me to his hospital room where Jeff and I met and spoke for the first time about a month after his accident. So, Jeff Olson, uh, how, how was that <laughs> meeting for you? It, it was interesting. I was still very, very sick. Um, in fact, they had only started to allow visitors to come in. So there was people from my neighborhood and, you know, from my ward and from my work, uh, very limited. But here came in this man and woman, which I assumed were a couple, you know, just because a man and woman in similar ages, but I couldn't place them. I'm like, who are they? I don't know who they are. And I was embarrassed not knowing them because everyone else that had come in had been very close to our family. And uh, then they introduced themselves. You know, we were your uh, trauma staff, you know, and um, we, we were, it was small talk at first, and the nurse did all the talking. I mean, I was not well enough to speak a lot, and, and Dr. O'Driscoll kind of hung back, and the nurse was saying, wow, you're doing so well. We didn't, gosh, you had so many injuries. It's amazing to see that you survived this, and then she began to uh, to actually tear up a little bit, and she said, we've got to tell you why we came. And she shared the experience that she had had of, of Tamara, my deceased wife, being right there with me and how she ran to get Dr. O'Driscoll and when she saw this and how he experienced the same thing. And I just listened, but I was weeping. I thought, wow, they have no idea that I was literally in what felt like a bubble of light, you know, saying goodbye and, and, and going back into this realm to enter the body. Um, and what it was for me is it was, it was surprising. I thought, what kindness? I mean, what, what, what clinician and, and hospital staff, you know, stays connected to a patient and comes and sees them after the fact and that long after the fact. But I was, I was touched and moved, but it was a very, you know, it was very short. I didn't even relate to them any of my experiences that I had had I just said thank you and and I I thought about it a lot um but it was it was comforting to think I'm not crazy you know maybe if, if I had this experience if I knew what I knew was real and yet here was clinicians sharing a interesting you know sidecar to that experience it, it opened up a whole new realm of um of possibilities for me so this was kind of comforting and, and verifying and validating of your experience. Yeah, yeah, and not that I needed validation. I mean, I knew what I knew, but there were those times when I thought, gosh, was I imagining all that? I mean, it was so real, and yet I knew it happened, but you don't want to talk about those things. I was very guarded, and yet I think in them sharing, and certainly it led to uh, Dr. O'Driscoll and I having a relationship where there was trust that I could talk about, here's what I experienced, here's what happened, and what do you make of this? And that was that was after the fact, but this first visit for them to be open and vulnerable enough to show what they had experienced not knowing me from Adam or having a clue what I had gone through it was very uh, it, it, it created a safe place and, and let me interject as well um, Jeff didn't know this at the time he didn't know this for a long time afterwards but I had a, a pretty powerful experience that day when we went to see him in his hospital room um, I was given to understand that we'd be friends and that the importance of my visit that day was 
for the years of friendship that would follow. And I was given a knowledge of that on that day. And I wondered where that knowledge came from at the time. In retrospect, I wonder if it might have come from Tamara, his deceased wife, who uh, may have introduced us and uh, came and uh, intervened periodically through our, through our years of friendship since. Fascinating. You don't often hear about shared, ex- shared death experiences. And the most unique part of this is how, how it has made you friends. So, so that premonition isn't the right word, but, but that knowledge that you had has been validated. Yes, it's been my experience that spiritual knowledge doesn't come in the same way that intellectual or academic knowledge comes. It's not like you have to strain and, and struggle to gain it, and it's not like it's being forced upon you. Rather, it's like a memory, and you recollect these things that you already knew, and it's as though you always knew it, uh, and it's comfortable, and it's a reassurance rather than a, a revelation per se. Some people who I've um, heard describe that to me have described it as certain and instantaneous. It's not like when you read through a book and you're studying through some algebra test and you just struggle to, to, you know, or whatever the test is. But this is something that's certain and real and And voluminous. That's one of the things that's so impressive to me about it is the volume of information that is communicated instantaneously. So it feels like you have this profound, almost omniscient endowment of uh, understanding in an instant, uh, wouldn't you say, Jeff? Absolutely. I mean, it was very much my experience, and I, I've barely touched on my out-of-body or near-death experience. I mean, I was in the hospital for five months. I had 18 surgeries in total, putting me together, and I seem to have one foot in this realm and one foot in the next. But yeah, when when these experiences happen, it's like you know what you know. know, When you know what you know, nobody can take that away. And and yet it felt almost like remembering. It's like I've always known this. I wasn't learning it. I was remembering it. And I, you know, we haven't had a chance to touch on that, but I had... um, Gosh, I had brushes with the divine in in ways that were so um, powerful and so life-changing. I I did have the opportunity to say goodbye to my little son that I lost when I stepped into the realm. I I really was in and out of of this realm to that realm, and it's like the door never shut. And that's where the friendship began. I mean, Dr. O'Driscoll would continue to come see me, and even when I returned home, he was there, and we, we would talk. I mean, we found out that we grew up not far from each other. He was up in Morgan, and I was near Heber City, and he rode bulls, and I rode bareback bronc horses. We both played football at rival, you know, high schools. But anyway, we we found this thing in common, but where the true friendship came is I thought, okay, I've had so many experiences, and if I can share them with him, he'll tell me if I'm crazy or not. He's a doctor, but it opened a space where I could share the things I had experienced, and yet he would listen, and we found this great common ground in all of it. Hold that thought. We will be right back. We're speaking with Jeff Olson and Jeff O'Driscoll, M.D. We're not done yet. More faith-affirming podcast content on its way. Stay with us. We're picking up where we left off in the last segment. Let's do that. And and Jeff Olson, um, thanks for joining us. And Dr. O'Driscoll, thanks for being here. This is wonderful. We've got one last uh, long segment here 
and I'd like to hear more about uh, the meaning of the experience and, and Jeff, some of the details uh, about what happened. You said you were in the hospital for five months. I know we've only scratched the surface of, of your experience. And from you, Dr. O'Driscoll, uh, you, you mentioned that this was just the beginning of your spiritual experiences uh, with with Jeff when you met him in your room there. So with that sort of uh, direction and intro, I'll, I'll just let you two talk. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll expand a little bit on, on some of the things that happened. I want to touch on um, the most profound experience, perhaps, which, which literally took place at the end of my hospital stay. I was out of ICU. I had been through surgical recovery. I, I kept going back and forth. I was throwing pulmonary embolisms for the blood clots that lodge in your lungs. I had horrific infections. Um, there was many, many medical complications. But at this point, I was finally through that. And uh, I was out of surgical recovery. I was actually in the rehabilitation unit of the hospital. And I went to sleep one night. And when I say went to sleep, I, I don't know that I had slept for months. I mean, I, they, they had finally stabilized my abdominal injuries. They had had to leave those wounds open because of infection, but they had finally stabilized them to where I, I could lay on my side. And it felt so good to lay on my side. In fact, I had laid on my back so long I had rubbed the back of my head bald. All, all the hair had been rubbed off the back of my head. And my, my younger brother was there, and he was kind of teasing me about, you know, this bald back of my head, but I, I fell asleep, and it was a calm, peaceful sleep, and I thought, oh, I haven't, I haven't felt like this for forever. I haven't slept, and as I slept, I actually felt that light come again, that light that I felt at the scene of the accident that came and just called me and held me and rushed to me, and it felt as if I was rising above the hospital bed, and I thought, oh, I remember this feeling, but this time, the light dispensed or went away, and I was in the most incredible place. Um, I mean, I've heard people call it heaven or the other side. The only word I can put on this that even resonates at all was I was home. I was finally home. And I began to run. I began to run. Now, I had lost my leg. I was incredibly banged up. My one good knee was not good. I knew I wouldn't be running in this realm, but in that realm, I was running. And I was so aware of how physical the experience was. Here I was out of the body, and yet I could feel the warm, soft ground under my feet. I could feel the energy surging up through what felt like every cell as it came through my calves and my thighs. And I was running, joyfully running, thinking, I'm home. I'm home. And then I, I got the message that I wasn't there to stay. And when I said got the message, it was just that knowing, just that, wow, I, I'm, I'm not here to stay. And at the same time, I realized there was this corridor to my left. And so I knew intuitively I'm to make my way down there. And I began working my way down the corridor. And at the end of the corridor was a crib. And I raced to the crib. And in the crib, sleeping very peacefully was my little toddler boy that I lost in the accident. And I had not experienced him over those months. I mean, Tamara had come and gone almost as if she was in the next room, as I would be out of the body, in the body, and, 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 and part that veil, if you will. But here was my little boy. And I swept him up and I held him. Now, you know, details that aren't pleasant, but in the accident, his car seat had broken up and he had been ejected from the car. 
and um, that had just haunted me. And yet here I was holding him, and it was so real. I could feel him. I could feel his body against my chest. I could feel the heat of his body. I could feel his lungs expanding with breath. I could feel his breath on my neck. I could smell his hair. It was so, so super sensory, almost like my senses were heightened. And I just began to weep, thinking I'm holding my little boy and he's okay. And I, I'm, I'm not pretending that he was a toddler in that realm, but somehow the kindness of the entire universe knew that I just needed to hold my little boy. And there I was holding him, and I was weeping. And as I held him, I felt this incredibly powerful presence coming up behind me. I mean, it was, it was so cosmic and wise and powerful and strong, and I, I, I was overwhelmed. I, I knew that I was in the presence of God. In fact, I didn't, I didn't tear a turn around. I, I just, I had this ping of, of, of fear, actually. I, there I was holding my little boy, and I thought, he's in this realm because I crashed the car. Um, gosh, am I responsible for the death of half my family? I mean, this is what, you know, I was thinking as I held him as this immense presence came up behind me. And my thought was, I hope I'm forgiven. And as I had that thought, I felt, and this felt physical too, these divine arms wrap around and hold me and hold my little boy. And the, the just it was just total wisdom just flowed through me, and yet it communicated. And what was communicated is there's nothing to forgive. Everything is in perfect divine order. And suddenly, as, as Dr. O'Driscoll said, it was, it was like the lid just came off and just a flood of knowledge, wisdom, peace, knowing came flowing through me. I saw my life. I saw that everything was in divine order. I realized that I had created my life and that the entire universe simply supported me out of love. I saw that life was such a gift. You know, I mean, I, I had grown up and I was believing that life was a test and that I was probably failing. And especially with this accident and the guilt that was associated with the fact that I was driving the car. But in those divine loving arms, Life was not a test. Everything was an absolute gift. And there was so much love, so much love. And, uh, and I realized everything is a choice. In fact, I was given a choice. I was told that I could be angry at God thinking that he did this to me and that he took my family away and that this was a stumbling block to see how I would react. I was given a choice to know I could beat myself up for the rest of my life and feel guilt because I was driving a car. But I was given a third choice in this beautiful moment, and it was communicated that I could literally give my son back, that I could exercise my will, my agency, and be part of it, even though he was gone. I knew that. But there was this beautiful absence of time and space where I got to choose to give my son. And in all that beauty and all that love and all that peace, I was able to kiss him on the face and give him back to God. And then I woke up in the hospital bed, you know, back to the amputation and the brace on the right leg and a right arm that wasn't functioning and one good left, you know, arm to drive a, an electric wheelchair with as I returned home. But it was a, it was a profound experience that I could go on for three hours, um, but I'll never forget. What a remarkable experience. Um, and, and Jeff, I, 
we only have a couple of minutes left, but uh, I want people to know that they can read a little bit more about your experience because you've written a book that talks about it. I knew their hearts and, and you've written more besides that. I know, but t- tell our listeners a little bit about your book and, and where they can get it. If they so choose to learn. more. Oh about yeah. It. Yeah. You can get my book on Amazon at Barnes and Noble. It's, it's in a lot of bookstores. The book you want to get is knowing one word title knowing it, it contains I knew their hearts but it's a compilation of my first two books which is about the accident and the near-death experience but then also the aftermath everything that's happened it's been 20 years since the accident and this is the brand new book that just released uh, you know early this spring and it, it kind of covers from brief biography right up into Spencer my seven-year-old at the time of the accident and him eventually marrying and all the things that have happened where the doors have never closed. I mean, I, I, I have experienced horrific things, and I don't want anyone to think that I haven't experienced grief at the deepest level, but I've literally had angels with me, um, both in this realm and Dr. O'Driscoll being one of those angels, but also from the other realm, angels unseen that have supported and, and sustained me through many things, and it's all in the book. And, uh, yeah, please go, uh, please go take a look at that. It is a, a wonderful book, and it's one of the most profound near-death experiences I have ever, ever heard. Um, Jeff, I, I consider you a good friend, and, and Dr. O'Driscoll as well. It's just been such a delight to have both of you here on Latter-day Radio to share about uh, your near-death experience and your shared death experience, which was part of it. All all my best to you. Thanks for being with us today. This faith-affirming podcast is a production of Latter-day Radio for the enlightenment and illumination of its audience. Originally broadcast on KLO Radio in Salt Lake City, Utah. Visit latterdayradio.com for more information.